Hi there. Welcome to Tap Off the Mark. Today, for my first episode, I'll be previewing the opening weekend of the 2022 Guinness Six Nations. Uh, we have three very exciting mashups, each with their own uh, separate buildup and fanfare. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into it. First off, we have Ireland hosting Wales at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. So for this game, you have two teams coming off very positive 2021 uh campaigns, um, but they're both entering this tournament uh, in a very different, uh, you know, space. Ireland, you know, the confidence is very high following the Autumn Internationals in which, you know, they went 3-0. and They had strong victories over Japan and Argentina, but the one that really stood out was, you know, a very, you know, exciting uh, win against New Zealand in which, you know, they were the dominant team for 80 minutes, which you don't often see any side do that against New Zealand. So, you know, Ireland really come into this tournament with a lot of confidence and a lot of expectations in themselves. Whereas Wales, you know, they had a solid 2021, but they're, you know, extremely injured. They have a lot of veterans with experience and talent that are sitting out this tournament. Um, And so the question is, you know, who steps up in leadership and skill for all the injuries, you know, Captain uh, Alan Wynn Jones, he's out. So who takes up the mantle of, you know, captain and you know all around leader of the team? You have guys like Talupi Falatau, Lee Halfpenny, George North. You know, these guys are you know world class talent that they don't have. So the question is, how can Wales make up for that? Um, and you know it'll be interesting to see you know what their plan is if they have a scheme for or if they kind of just are tapping on the next guy up and relying on him. Uh, you know, Ireland, something that they have that Wales typically does have, but that this year's team does not is they're high on experience. You know, they have guys like Peter Romani and, you know, tied for long, you know, guys that have been around it for a while, but they also have great depth, something that Wales is sorely lacking. You know, you have your starting 15, you know, strong guys. Um, but on the bench for Ireland, you have, you know, Keen Healy, Peter Omani, uh, Connor Murray, you know, world-class talents that have been around this Ireland team for, you know, a decade now. And so Ireland should be feeling very confident that in this matchup, they can tap these guys and say, you're up and be confident that they will perform and they will contribute. Um, for Wales, I'm interested to see how Josh Adams will handle the move to center. Adams is, you know, by nature aware, um, but due to injuries, they have uh, decided to move him to center. And it's clearly a very different type of game. Um, whereas the wing, you really just got to focus on your sideline and maintain that no one gets by you and that when you get the ball, you capitalize. Um, for center, it's a lot more creation and it's a lot more ball in hand with more pressure on you. So it's curious to see how Adams will handle that change. Um and how he'll deal with, you know, Nick Tompkins, his center partner. And that's, you know, kind of moving on to Ireland, whereas they have a very strong and experienced center duo in Bundy Aki and Gary Ringrose. So that's a distinct advantage in my eyes for Ireland. You know, these Aki and Ringrose have played together for a few years now, and they seem to know each other very well, and they seem to be able to kind of just pick up on those, you know, extra little things, you know, without even talking, it's just kind of a 
a feel now between the two of them. And that's something that, you know, Tompkins and Adams for Wales likely do not have. So it'll be curious to see how how much how much of an advantage that is for Ireland and whether they really, you know, hone in on that um, from the Irish side. Um, Wales, coming into this game, it, it seems like Ireland is being picked pretty pretty heavily as the favorite. Um, but Wales, they're no stranger to being, you know, written off and being the underdog. Just look back to last year um, in the 2021 tournament. You know, nobody picked them to win it. Nobody gave them a shot. And what do they do? You know, they go out and win it. So I think it would be very unwise for Ireland or any Irish supporters to just write this off as, as, a, as a win. You know, Wales is known to, you know, make some magic happen when their back's against the wall. So I think this has the potential to be a very, very interesting uh, and good game. So some players to watch uh, on the Irish side. I would say flanker Kalen Doris is who I have my eye on. He had a very strong autumn. Um, he was disruptive. He you know, seemed to be at every breakdown, making tackles left and right. And I think if he can take that momentum into this game, he will, um, he will make a big impact on this, on this match. Um, and for Wales, I, I think you have to look at Dan Bigger, the fly half. He's going to be the one who's, you know, maintaining the offense, who's going to be directing the defense, who's going to have most ball in hand. And how he comes out and plays will determine whether or not Wales um, is going to win this game. So if I, if I had to pick a, pick a winner um, for this one, I think the health of Ireland plus the fact that they are in Dublin at a very tough venue at the Aviva Stadium um, will give them a slight edge, and I would take Ireland in a close one. Uh, so moving on to the next one, uh, the second Saturday game, it'll be Scotland versus England for the Calcutta Cup. Um, it's it's interesting. You know, for close to a century now, you know, England has been the favorite in this fixture. You know, they're always expected to win. Um, but that's not the case this year due to, you know, injuries and, you know, just the strength of Scotland. It seems like they're coming into it as the favorites. And so the question is, how will they handle that? You know, usually they're the underdogs and an underdog mentality can be you know helpful at times and beneficial. But now, you know, how are they going to um, what, is, like, what is their mindset and their mentality going into this as the team people expect to win? So it'll be curious to see how Scotland, um, you know, handles that. Uh, for England, it, it seems to be a new era under co head coach Eddie Jones. You know, guys like Mako and v Billy Vunapol are no longer really um, there. They're not supporting the team. They're not um, on the squad. And then a guy like Manu Tuolangi, he was not picked. Um, and so there's a lot of young talent. It seems to be a youth infusion. And so... How do they handle that? And specifically, how does Marcus Smith, the fly half, um, handle that? You know, he's, you know, taken up the role of, you know, the facilitator um, and the leader that Owen Farrell has been for, for nearly a decade now. And Owen Farrell, you know, one of the best players in the world. And now Marcus Smith is trying to fill those shoes. So how does he do that? How does, does he play timid? Does he come out firing? You know, he had a strong, a good... Um, autumn season but those were all games at home and those were you know it's, it's a different atmosphere in the six nations especially in a way game at the six nations as it is 
in the Autumn Internationals. So it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how Marcus Smith handles that. Um, when it comes to the halfback duo, you know, the scrum half, fly half, I'm inclined to give the edge to Scotland, um, mainly because of their experience playing with each other, Ali Price and Finn Russell. They know each other very well, um, and there's a familiarity between the two of them um, that Ben Youngs, the England scrum half, and Marcus Smith don't have yet. Ben Youngs has been around a while, so he's certainly experienced, but his most of experience has come with Owen Farrell or George Ford. So now, can the question is, can he and Marcus Smith pick up a rapport quickly? Um, if not, you know, look to Price and Russell to take advantage of that and, um, you know, kind of put the pressure on England. Um, so another advantage that I, I see Scotland having is is in the back three. You know, Stuart Hogg, Duhan van der Moura, and Darcy Graham are three incredibly talented and experienced players. You know, Stuart Hogg is, you know, considered, is in contention at least for the best fullback in the world. Um, and these are, these are guys that, you know, have played against you know, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia. They've been to the World Cup and they've performed at pretty much every level. Whereas England, there's certainly talent between Max Mallins, Joe Marchant, and Freddie Stewart. Um, but there's not a whole lot of experience and all three of them are young, um, which is not a bad thing necessarily, but I feel like Scotland has the advantage uh, in that sense. And so the question is, do they put pressure on them with, you know, kicks um, and, you know, some more runs? Um, I, I feel like, you know, if I were to make a game plan, I'd target those three on England and just kind of hope they make a mistake because, you know, if you kick a high ball up there and you got three guys running at you, it's hard to catch it. Um, so I, I, I think, uh, I think Scotland is looking at it. I think Scotland has a good advantage in all of the backs. You know, I think that's, that's going to be a big part of what determines the outcome of this game. Um, for England, I, they seem to, their pack is not necessarily young. Their pack is, is a good mixture of youth uh, and experience. You know, they have Mari Toji leading them, you know, a world-class talent. But what I'll be, I'll be looking for is the front row, the props and their hooker, how they handle um, the Scottish front row, because it's very important in this game especially um, to make a statement physically. Um, and that starts with the front row and the scrum in, in the rucks. Um, so I'm curious to see how, how England matches up with Scotland, because, you know, Roy Sutherland... Uh, George Turner, Xander Fagerson, that's a powerful uh, front row. And England, in their own right, has experience and power. Um, they seem to just, uh, they seem to be lacking that, just that extra something that you kind of have seen uh, with Scotland. Um, and then England simply, like, can they overcome the injuries? Uh, you would hope so. And, you know, you can't blame injuries on any performance really because they know about them and they've had to plan for and prepare for them. Um, but you know, when you lose a guy like Owen Farrell and Johnny May and Courtney Laws, it's hard to make up for that. And on the other side, you have Scotland who's, you know, pretty much has a full bill of health. Um, and so it'll be curious to see if they can overcome those injuries or if that will be too much for them. Um, and then I think, 
just finally for Scotland, it's very important to set the tone early. You know, don't let the game come to you, kind of like take the game to them. Um, and I think it'll be very important to put pressure early on England and show them that it's a unforgiving match ahead of them. And, you know, hopefully, you know, even, you know, break their will, break their spirit early, um, which is something they're capable of. So again, players to watch um, for Scotland. I, I like flanker Jamie Ritchie. Uh, he's always been a favorite of mine. He just seems to be in the middle of everything. Um, he's at seems to be at every breakdown. He's always, you know, he's getting turnovers. He's making nice runs, and I just feel like he's a catalyst for for the, the forwards of Scotland. And um, so him, along with Hamish Watson, too, like the, the, both their flankers, I think, are going to be very important in determining the outcome of this game. And then England, uh, it's Marcus Smith. It really comes down to Marcus Smith. Can he facilitate properly and, you know, organize the defense against Scotland? Um, he certainly has a talent for it. He's shown it in Premiership and in other international games. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he can do it at this level and in this atmosphere. Um, if I were to pick pick an outcome, it's tough because everyone's picking Scotland mostly. And then so you're inclined to pick Scotland, but it's England, and they always find a way to just block out the noise. And they'll be eager to make up for last year's showing when they finished fifth, you know, one of their worst Six Nations performances ever. Um, so I don't know. I think since it's in Edinburgh, that kind of makes a difference, and I, I'll pick Scotland. Um, not comfortably, um, but in a in a in a close in a close match. Uh, so to round out the weekend on Sunday, it'll be France versus Italy in Paris. Uh, this one seems to be, you know, the biggest talent gap between the two. You know, everyone is well aware of, you know, what Italy has or doesn't have, and everyone is very aware of. You know the just sheer talent that France has on their roster right now, um, and so one thing I'll be looking for is how will Italy's backs uh, fare against France's. You know, France have guys like uh, Romain Intimac, Gael Ficou, Melvin Jaminet, um, Damien Pinot, who are just you know blistering and bruising runners, um, and you know have that skill to kind of just get by Italy. And I'm not sure if Italy has enough talent on defense to stop that. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they fare against, uh, how Italy fares against the backs. Um, in, in France, you see a really even roster um, that has a good combination of experience, um, youth, especially youth. Anton Dupont is only, I think, 22. Um, but confidence. They beat New Zealand handily in autumn. And that's kind of the, the catalyst, it's the Kickstarter for, you know, their campaign in 2022. And so I think they come into this tournament with a lot of confidence. Um, and that leads to how they handle being the tournament favorites. You know, it's, it's easy for them to just think, oh, it's Italy, it's us, we're looking great. Let's look past them, and you know we have a tough game against Ireland next week. You know if that's the case, well then you might be looking at a pretty big upset if you just look past this team. Because despite who they are and despite who you are, 
uh, it's international rugby, and so you can't overlook anybody. Um, and is that a positive for Italy? You know, like, you're the underdogs. No one expects you to win. Can you use that? Can you use that as, you know, fuel, as motivation? Um, and I think that could be that could be some, some bulletin board material for Italy, really. Um, so and for Italy also, who, who steps up? You know, it's not necessarily a rebuild, but there's a lot of young people on this, on this squad. Um, you know, Paolo Garbisi, Michelle Amaro, they're already kind of staples in the team, but they're 21 and 23 respectively. So does one of them two step up and become, you know, the leader of this team? It needs to be somebody because, you know, Sergio Parise, his, his time is pretty much done in international rugby. So who... Who takes the mantle of the leader of uh, the Italian team? Um, and so are we going to see, you know, I guess the coronation this this week on Sunday? Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but for, for this game, it, it really just comes down to, you know, the talent on the rosters. France has incredible talent and depth, whereas Italy, they have a few players who can stand out and make plays. Um, but they lack an overall experience on the roster that I think will come back to hurt them um, and just will not be enough for them to get past. Um, so players to watch, uh, I think for Italy, wing Mont- uh, Montana Ioani, if he gets the ball in hand, you know, in just a little bit of space, it's see you later. He can make that break and he can, he can get by uh, any defense, really. And so if he can get the ball in hand enough, Italy could have a good chance um, uh, at putting up some points. And then for France, uh, fullback uh, Melvin Jaminet, he had just an incredible um, autumn uh, internationals, uh, I guess, breakthrough. Um, And he's, you know, taken on the mantle of the team's kicker. He's responsible for gathering many of the points uh, for this team. And he just seems to be a very solid, steady presence um, and who kind of just, you know, calms the team down, is the sweeper. Uh, and so I'd be looking at him to just, you know, keep his cool his cool demeanor and, um, you know, do what he needs to do uh, for this team. So picking uh, a winner, it's it's hard to pick against France. It's hard to pick, you know, for Italy in any fixture, but especially this one against this particular French uh, French team. Uh, so yeah, I'd have to I have to pick France, um, you know, pretty handily. Uh, it's in Paris. It's everything's going against Italy in this one. Um, so I, I would take France. Um, so all right, that will wrap it up uh, this episode of Tap Off the Mark. Uh, thank you for tuning in and take care.